Hello again. Pastor Deborah here. And I'm back. And we're going to talk about setting the captives free. Everybody is welcome to listen from any nation, any camp, any religion, because it affects all of us, every human. So, this is part one of setting the captives free. I had an introduction that I did and put that up uh, in the introduction and foundation area. But to help you find out what needs to be set free, we have to do a lot of studying, research, exploring, uncovering many things because you may not believe that you need to be free in any way. So my job today is we're just going to introduce, as you see behind me, the board I use when I teach. I go into mental health facilities. I had this board up in the marketplace ministry is a T&W flea market which I am closing out because my time there is finished I've reached who I was supposed to reach I was faithful to what I was called to do now I'm going around the world on videos so let's begin section one excuse me what is a spiritual captive. Well, before we go there, let's look at what a human is. A human is a three-part being. He has a physical body. We all do. Even if it's not working very well, or it gets sick, or it's even in a coma, we all have a physical body. And what is it made out of? Dirt and dust. That's right. From where? The earth. Yes. We all have a physical body. All the animals have a physical body. Every tree and pine cone and swan and bird, even the fishes. Everybody's got a body. And a physical body. Now, there are some creatures that are pure spirit, but they have a spirit body. But for us humans, we have a physical body. You're looking at it right now. And that physical body, as we know, changes, starts developing in the womb. And the egg and the sperm come together and DNA and genes. Some kind of law just starts working. How do that egg and sperm and the DNA from both cells start doing things? And a little baby, a child, is developed with arms and legs and heads and eyes and eyelashes and ears and little fingers. It's in miniature form for sure. Doesn't look like a human at first. Looks like a, reminds me of a, frog. When a frog is first born, 
It's nothing more than an egg. Then it goes into something called a tadpole. And it swims in water. It don't look like a frog at all. And after some more time, develops hands and feet. And it looks like a frog. We know it. So development, even for a human in the womb, it's precious. It's operated by laws, genes, and genetics. I don't know how it works. I didn't set it up, but somebody did. So in the safety of that salt water, yep, salt water in the womb, the little baby is breathing salt water in through the nose. No, in through the mouth, I believe. The nose has little plugs. It's floating in it. It's sort of like a cushion for it. Because it gets sloshed around when that mama is walking and moving and stuff. And so the salt water is a cushion and a protection for the little baby to grow in. Sort of like shock absorbers. So when the baby comes out, if it is allowed to grow and develop, they come on out. Sometimes they do come early. My son came a month early. Why? Because my body started not working right. And they had to burst my water to bring the child out. They gave me some tests with something called pertussin to see if his little heart and my heart could manage it. Yep, he was coming a month early. He was only three pounds, like 14 ounces. Very little thing. He stayed in an incubator for two weeks. My granddaughter came two months early. Her mama had some physical health problems. I don't know what all they were. But I was talking to the little spirit on the inside, waiting for it to come on out. And when it did, it came down here to Florida and said, I'm here, I'm in, I'm out. But it had to stay in an incubator and in the hospital. It had a feeding job. had a lot of problems because the biological growth did not finish before it got spit out. So we all have a physical body. Everybody agree on that? Okay, good. Then the second part of us is called the soul. We're learned from many different sources. Especially the one that really started defining that for us was this guy named Sigmund Freud. He started calling it the subconscious. It was our thoughts and our feelings. It had a will. It's where we learned our reading and our writing and our math. It had a powerful brain that could learn. But it could also feel fear, even in the womb. It can feel not safe or it can feel rejection even in the womb. So the soul part of every human, it's a powerful part of us. It's hidden away. It experiences through the five senses. It develops. It's been formed and shaped by many things. The culture that it's born into, the family the faith or the religion that it comes into. It comes into an abusive, loud family. Fear will run rampant. If it comes out and 
its needs are not met, like when it cries because it has a wet diaper, it will learn that I'm being rejected. It will learn sadness and depression. If it doesn't get held and cuddled and feel safe in the arms of the mother, the it feels alienated. There's no anchor for the soul. It doesn't feel developed, wanted. It doesn't feel like it belongs. If we come out and talk to it, let's say you get a boy but you wanted a girl, and you start talking to it like it's a girl, the soul will believe it's a girl, even though it has a male's biological body. So the soul is very malleable. It can change. It grows and develops. It is totally submitted to its five senses and the experiences and has through the five senses of the biological body. It has a mind. It goes to school. It learns to read and write. It has eyes. It can see if it can. Some people are born or have a disease or a fever and something happens and they can't see or hear. And when that does, the biological brain is sort of stunted in its growth. Uh, Other people uh, don't get good nutrition when they're babies. They get too much sugar. And every time they cry, they get a cookie in their mouth or a bottle. Some Hawaiian punch and sugar. Their, Their system starts becoming addicted on their tongue. Sugar. And... Everything that the soul experiences, you know, a baby doesn't talk for a long time, but it is listening to words. It will babble to you, and if you understand baby talk, you and him can have a conversation. So the soul is very important in us. It's a part of the body, but it has its own, it's connected to the five senses, And the five senses in it are one. Now, the soul has a will. It can decide to do things or not do things. And it definitely has some feelings. Now, it doesn't know much about them, but all it knows is what it's been taught by its parents, its family, its culture. Maybe its religion what it was taught when it starts going to school. Did you know that by the time a child is five years old, going off to kindergarten, he has already got 85% of his morals and values developed, whether he accepts the, the law, whether he respects authority or not. He's already learned, and where did he learn? At home with whoever was his caregivers. Now, if you throw in some other problems, like mama being on drugs when she is pregnant, somebody doing alcohol, smoking cigarettes, having sicknesses and illnesses, the baby's biological body and the soul can be affected, even in the womb. And they can be affected when they come out. They don't know anything. So we all have a soul. Now, the third part where Pastor Deborah works is the spirit. 
the forever person. That person is when a baby is being formed in the womb, is a part of the soul, sort of married to it one way. But whatever happens to the biological body and the soul affects the spirit. The spirit's sort of like a tail. And it just goes wherever the soul wants to go. Now, it has a lot of power and gifts, but it doesn't know that. It lives in a different world than the five senses. It does have eyes and ears and a mouth and a tongue and nose and hands. It has a head and a body. It is a complete person. It has feelings. And it has to learn and grow. But at first, the spirit is one with the soul. And one with the physical body. Even though it cannot feel directly the physical body in the earthly world. And it really doesn't eat like, say, lamb or chicken. I'm going to tell you a story about that. How I discovered that. I was doing deliverance in a church. It was my first time. We were, were helping a 16-year-old girl. And all I did was hold her ponytail while she was puking in a garbage can. Some black stuff was coming up, never seen it before. In all my days with babies and puking myself, never saw it. So when I come home, I come to my kitchen. I sit down, I fixed a plate of chicken, turned on the TV. Something different had happened. I didn't know when I was doing the deliverance session, which will tie into setting the captives free. I'd been in the spirit realm, whatever that was. So I sit down at my table, and I, my physical body is starting to eat this chicken. But I see myself up looking down at this plate of chicken, and I say, I don't eat that. Then my biological body looked at the TV and my spirit said, I don't watch TV. And then it was like I slipped my spirit back down inside. I learned a valuable lessons. The spirit does not eat earthly food of the earth. And it does not watch television. The soul does, and the biological body do, but not the spirit. And the spirit, which we all have, there's lots of spirits out there, a lot of angels and fallen angels, a lot of weird creatures, lights within lights, all kinds of spirit beings. The spirit is that part of us that upon earthly death, Everybody is hoping goes up, not down. And there's some guy maybe named Peter up there or somebody else that opens the gates. Come on in. Some people call it paradise. Some people call it heaven. And everybody wants to believe, even the ancient pharaohs believed, there was life after death. In fact, the pharaoh was supposed to be 
fighting in that afterworld to keep chaos away for the nation of Egypt. All the people in the occult believe in the afterlife. Want to see a good movie that will help you? Watch Ghost with Patrick Swayze and Whoopi Goldberg. You'll learn about the spirit. A lot of great movies. So this spirit part of us, it's eternal. It comes in the womb. It doesn't know that it's separate from the soul or the physical body until it starts having spiritual experiences. And here's what happens. The spirit comes out and it has this realm. And it talks and lives in that realm. But when it sinks back down into the soul and the flesh, it's like it goes to sleep. I can have conversations with people in the spirit in my own home, sitting right out here on my deck. And when their spirit gets back in their physical and I say I run into them at Walmart. They don't know who I am. Because their soul has never met me. And their spirit doesn't. It's back in the mud, so to speak. Back in the closet with the door closed. And the spirit cannot tell the soul. That's Pastor Deborah that we met. Okay. So I know don't even try to get them to admit that they had talked to me. A human being, as it says, is a three-part system. That is valuable to know and to believe. So when we start working and we have to start, what part of us, all parts, just one part, what is a spiritual captain? Is the soul a captain? Is the physical body in captivity? Is the spirit. Well, how can you help a person? Pastor Deborah had to learn how to help people in all three areas. But first I had to learn what was in captivity. Was spiritual captivity for the spirit different than captivity for the soul? Well, what happened if we had somebody who was in human traffic, got kidnapped, and was serving that? Would you say that their physical body was in captivity? Probably yes. What about their soul or their spirit? What happened if you are not in human tribe, just living your life, going to work, having a family? You don't look like you're in any kind of physical captivity. But could your biological body be captive to drugs? Pleasure of sex or winning? Could your biological body be captive to fear? Past memories? Flashbacks? Could your biological body be in captivity to sugar or salt? Alcohol or drugs? Would the physical body be a captive to those things if it can't quit? Is being a captive the same as being in bondage? Here's how I can tell when the physical body is in bondage and a captive. If God tells you or somebody says you need to lose weight, give up the sugar, 
and you do it. It's hard. Pastor Deborah goes cold turkey. I used to, never used to drink sodas, excuse me. But when I got into college, I started drinking something called Tad. It was a, you know, had something else besides sugar. Got addicted to it. And later on, there were Diet Cokes and Diet Pepsis. But I'd heard of something on the radio about what this aspartame was and how it did bad things to the body. And I said, I'm done. I'm not going to do my body that way. I went cold turkey. Ooh, did I go through a toxic shock syndrome. Fevers and chills and aches. It just was as bad as going off at a drug. Pastor Deborah is a tough cookie. When I was told to give up salt after a heart problem, I gave up salt and went to Mrs. Dash's. Told me to lose weight, I lose weight. So if you are told by, say, a doctor that you need to change your diet, quit smoking, quit doing alcohol, quit doing vaping, marijuana, quit going to certain places, hanging out with certain people that might be toxic, harmful to you, can you give it up cold turkey? Boom. Now you'll go through some ick. Or do you make excuses? I will. And you kind of do it part way. So is your biological body, is it in bondage and captivity? Hmm? Now your soul has a will and it has to kick in. It has to say, I love my body. A doctor and authority figures tell me I'm hurting it. I need to change. Now the soul won't like it. Once you understand that, once that biological body goes down, the spirit is out of you. I'll tell you a wonderful story. It just happened last night. I go to bed, and I'm taken spiritually. I'm not asleep yet. There's some dark stuff. I'm not sure where I was. There was a little body there. There wasn't much left of it. Something was eating away, destroying the body. It's a little child inside of me. I say, come with me. The body's giving out. It won't last much longer. So I took him to the throne room. He said, I can't go back. I go, no, sweetie. Your biological body was disintegrating. Whatever was happening. Was it a COVID-19? I don't know. Was it cancer? I don't know. Was it being killed? Or getting ready to be killed? Oh, no. I take him to the throne room and I introduce him to the king. He doesn't know him. Never met him. He just knows he can't go back. And he's never been to this place before called heaven. So in comes running another young boy. A couple years older. His name was Jonathan. And my little one I brought up was Kate. If you study the Bible, Jonathan and David had made a vow to be brothers. And when David saw Jonathan, he was so happy. And he said, and Jonathan said, your body gave out to Yeah, I can't go back. Well, that's good, but we're going to be together forever. And I'll tell you all about that king. And the power that saved us. 
Who were they? I don't know. But their bodies were both gone, destroyed. Can't hold out. We see that now in so many of the COVID-19 people that are dying. They have preconditions. They haven't been paying attention to their biological body. They're overweight. They have heart conditions, cancer, diabetes, smokers, and doing drugs. They have not cared for the earth, their biological body, probably from childhood. They can't hold up under the attack of this virus. And their body gives out. Now their spirit part of them, if they're believers, ends up in heaven. And we'll see them again. But they're done down here. Their bodies couldn't hold up. So is our body captive and in bondage to things? Yes. What holds it in? Well, the body has its own chemicals. Loves the dopamine and serotonin. Loves sugar and salt. Tongue. Loves to taste things. Our body loves to be at peace, but we can't find it. We do drugs. We do cigarettes. Because when you breathe in the nicotine, it's good. We love to feel high in pleasure. Love to win at bingo. The lottery. Or to horse racing. Oh, and boy, does our body love sex. Our body is a whole organ. Loves to be touched and caressed. Pain doesn't like that. Body has nerves. Chemicals up here. Yes, the body can be a captive. Bondage. What about the soul? That's another story. But right now, maybe your body itself in bondage and is being held spiritually captive. Well, why? Because your body is very important. And if it goes down, you are out of here. Your spirit is gone. Life is over for you down here. So the soul has an important part to play in this. It never thinks it's going to die. It's going to live forever. And it's going to enjoy what the body brings to it, whether it's drugs or alcohol or sex, buying a new purse. The soul is seeking pleasure and wants to avoid that pain. Some people are feeling pain right now in isolation. They don't like to be with themselves. They like to go out and be entertained. Get out of the house. They don't want to, they're not happy inside with themselves or in their yard. They got to get out and get their mind off it. Their soul likes to just do things. So it's got to move the body. So the soul has its own issues. Can the soul be a captive? Yes. How many of you have memories and flashbacks to your childhood that just don't go away? Bondage, captive. How many of you have dreams that won't go away? Nightmares, 
empty. How many of you feel lonely? Or that you're always a victim? Can't get what you want. Everybody doesn't like you. You play the race card. You play the, the I'm a female. Are you in bondage? Yes. Even though you're so smart, maybe you got a PhD in something. Can the soul become partners with ungodly things? Yes. Will it dis as discriminate? Yes. Does it really love its neighbor? No. The soul will even love chocolate cake. And it don't care if it gets love from a dog, a cat, or a horse. It just wants love. But it doesn't last, so it needs another fix. And the soul wants to feel magnificent, powerful, and wealthy, and rich, and elite, the master race. It'll lie, cheat, and steal to get there. It'll sell its own wife and mother and grandchildren to Satan to have what it wants. Be in politics, be a president, prime minister. It'll sell its own grandchildren. If it needs to. It wants to feel. Pleasurable. Young. And it can do anything. And nobody can touch it. That's the soul. Is that bondage? Is that reality? Nope. That's it. Is the soul captive? Yes. Of the flesh and the body. Ignorance. The lust of the eyes. And the lust of the flesh. And the pride of life. It is a captive held in bondage. It can be as smart and can be a PhD scientist and still be in emotional and mental bondage. Can mean to do good and make decisions and not do. It can be a procrastinator. It has a will and a mind that can be held by fear of death. It will deceive itself so it doesn't feel pain or uh, that it doesn't, to get what it wants, you know, to do whatever is necessary to anybody. That's the condition of the soul of every human before something happens. Then there's the spirit. That part of us, when the body goes, it lives on. That's the one Pastor Deborah does most of her work with. That's the spiritual captivity. Well, what kind of captivity would that be for the spirit? When the spirit is still one with the soul and the physical body, it's held captive by all those other two parts. It wasn't supposed to be like that at first. It was supposed to be the king, the ruler of this system. It was supposed to have living in it a light, a governor of the kingdom of heaven that would teach it, help it with wisdom, light the way for it to go, and then the spirit would tell the soul, which was the helpmate with the physical body and the earthly body. But that system got all messed up. And what was to be the head, the spirit, became the tail, in bondage, in captivity to the lust of the eye, the lust of the flesh, and the pride of life. 
The spirit sunk down into the soul, covered with a thick, thick wax grossness called the flesh. No light, no truth could get through. It's like being in the mud, covered completely, and on the outside it was caked hard. No light. But it was still in the spirit realm. Still had interaction with other spirits. But it was subjected to the soul. It just followed it wherever it went. And when you meet a spirit of someone who's not been changed, the spirit, it's not a nice person. Because the soul has covered it in the soul's personality. But the spirit has other abilities. There's lots of spiritual abilities. When I started working with multi-generational Satanists, I started discovering these spirits on the telephone, coming through people. I used to sit in church and there would be this one guy who would always look at me. It wasn't him. It was other people coming through him and the ushers. And then they would come through and they'd, They'd be in other people's bodies. They would move around. Now, their spirit had the personality of the soul and the flesh. But God was calling the spirit, wooing it. I, I, I had a light in me. They were drawn to this. They didn't know why. And I was causing all kind of earthquakes and problems in their world. Because love had invaded. A D-Day had occurred. Somebody that moved in the spirit like they did, had knowledge like they did, was not afraid of them. Was coming spiritually. I didn't know how I did it. But I did it. So we're just starting to learn about captivity means something that's held with chains and fetters in a prison with the door locked. Maybe it'll come out if somebody opens it, but probably not. Living in fear of death of the biological body. Tormented and vexed. Even the soul lives in the fear of death. Here's something. The wind, it is really blowing. So, what is spiritual captivity? It is bondage, prison, cells and chains and fetters, unseen in its soul ties of the soul into people. It's a bondage for the biological body, the soul and the spirit. All three have to be set free. How God works is he starts first with the spirit. Begins working there. Works out to the soul and then to the physical body. And where does he, how does he begin? He starts with something called Hebrews 4.12. When you decide, when the spirit answers the call of love, which it will, because there's some emptiness in it that it knows it's to be loved. It might be in a trance, 
might be in a coma, disassociated into multiple personalities. Might be a little child, a baby. But there's something inside of it that is being drawn to love, to nothing else but to love. When it will come awake, it will slip out of the darkness. It will accept that love, become Pastor Deborah's child. They accept this gift I bring from this Heavenly Father, and they'll slip back into the mist. They'll go back in their trance. If you want to understand it, go read the story called Who I Was. And you'll learn about Pastor Deborah. Being a voice in the light. It's very scary for these spirits. The light has to be dimmed down. But we work. They're drawn to it. Because the spirit's got something in it that will draw them. Then after that, they start separating the spirit from the soul. And it's called Hebrews 4.12. It is a spiritual circumcision, a divorce, a cutting of the soul ties. You keep seeing the sun because the sun's going down. I'm trying to stay out of it. All right. And here's how it works. The sword of the spirit comes down, severs the soul ties, the connection between the soul and the spirit. And it pulls the little spirit out of the mud, the flesh. See, okay? They were one like this. Pull them apart, cut it. Now, the spirit's over here, the soul's over here. Now, the spirit of the Lord and Pastor Deborah can work with. Do lots of healing with, teaching to the spirit without this interference of the soul. But the soul will get very frightened because it has lost a piece of itself, something it has been attached to that has been a part of it that provides it with life and spirit. And it will get in trouble by the spiritual enemy of this Hebrews 4.12 and this love. So inside of you, when this happens, you might get headaches, migraines. You might get stomach aches feel unsettled, don't feel like yourself. There will be a war going on inside of you. The soul, if you want to see what the first bully was like, you look at the lust of the eyes, lust of the flesh, and the pride of life. That is your bully inside that bullies this little spirit. It's wartime. So the little spirit can grow up. I usually have to put a dome of protection around it, become a shepherd for it, because it cannot protect itself. And the soul becomes like a ravenous lion, snake, and bear attacking the spirit. And the spirit lives in great fear of getting in trouble because it has spent its whole life obeying, do not get in trouble. So in spiritual captivity, we're working with the spirit and the soul. 
and the biological body will feel the effects of this deliverance, this separation, this divorce. The soul will try to reattach itself, reach out, trying to call the spirit, come back, I miss you. We were buddies. We had sex together. We enjoyed it. Come on, let's go do some drugs. Let's go to the bar. You'll be okay. You don't need to be alone with Pastor Deborah. I'll take care of you. I'm your big brother or big sister. And they'll be pleading from the soul. You'll feel it inside of you. You'll get these thoughts about doing the things you wanted to you used to do, and then another party said, no, we're not going to do that anymore. And you'll get a, another thought about, hmm, I should continue to do that. And the, the spirit will say, no, we need to stop vaping. You don't need to have sex anymore and drugs. It's hurting us, hurting our biological body. And the spirit starts trying to care for the soul and the biological body as a good shepherd. But the old soul, he ain't going to rise up against it. And there's a battle in here. There's headaches, anxiety, and fear going on. And the spirit can't hold for a long It's It's a baby. It's a child. And this big bully called the soul and the physical body, they want what they want. And they're going to come. So you need some teaching. And you need to know that that's going to happen. So what is a spiritual parent? It's your whole system. Your biological body is a captive and in bondage. Your soul with its will and its mind, it's captive. The memories, your dreams, they're captive. Your spirit is held captive and in bondage to these things. And only the power of this agape love, this God who went to a cross, can begin the process of setting the captives free, all three parts. If you would like this, to begin becoming free, He's already proclaimed in Isaiah 61, the prison door is open. I opened it. I got the keys to it. I have bound the jailers. You can come out, spirit. And the spirit needs help sometimes. I was doing deliverance on this precious lady. She's probably in her 30s. I sat right in front of her like I am you and said, sweetie, come on out. No, 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 I can't. Her spirit was afraid to come out of the jail cell, afraid of the torture and fear. We get so comfortable being a captive. A lot of people in childhood sexual abuse, they are still victims of that. They take on that identity. Whoops, something. And they live in a survival mode, that that's who I am now. I'm not free. They keep telling their story. They want somebody to believe them. They want to be a victim. And that's all they have now. They haven't developed anything else. They don't know who they are. 
without being a victim. They don't know who they were supposed to be. Great movie to learn about that one is The Three Faces of Eve with Joanne Woodward. She had a Eve White and an Eve Black from the trauma of kissing her dead grandmother and some other traumas. But the real person she was probably supposed to be based on a foundation of love was Jane. And that cannot come out as long as you're still living in a victim's identity. You're still in bondage. You're still held captive by the past and memories. The soul is wanting, that's me. Some people, they call it the narcissistic personality. They're always the victim. Everybody should bend over backwards and treat them. Excuse me, let me back up so I can get out of that way. Because poor what was me, that's the soul. Even if they grew up wealthy and went to private schools, that's all they want. That's how they manipulate people. That's the soul. And the spirit has to go along with that. So you think about this. A little baby spirit just got a Hebrews 4.12 trying to fight that big bully. But if you want that and you want to begin coming out of bondage, spiritual captivity, spiritually then accept this gift of Hebrews 4.12 and the hand of the Heavenly Father that brings it to you. Believe that he loves you. He has a great plan for your life. And let him begin the process. I keep backing up because it's not. Of healing and setting you free in spirit, soul, and body. Father, all those that are listening that know they are in biological bondage and their soul is in captivity and their spirit begin setting this three-part system free with your agape love and a Hebrews 4.12. Begin, Father, your mighty hand bringing light and truth and love into the spirit. Put your kingdom back in there through the Holy Spirit. Let it begin shining out and protecting the little spirit against the bully called the soul and its lust of its eyes and its lust of its flesh and its pride of life. Protect the spirit from the biological body that desires pleasure, pleasure. And help the spirit to grow, learn, strong and mighty to take its rightful place as the king of this three-part system and that the soul will learn to be its helpmate a submitted servant to the spirit and the soul will get control of the biological father do your work you sent your word down here your power of your love and you sent Spirit of the Lord. Fulfill Isaiah 61 in their lives and bring the captives out of spiritual bondage. Help their soul to let go and take its rightful place. In the name of the Heavenly Father and His Son, Amen. 
fulfill the victory and uphold the victory of peace. If you prayed that and you want that, it is done and begun. There's nothing you can't do to set you free spiritually and your soul and your biological body. It's going to be a little harder in the soul and the body, but we'll get there if you want it. So enjoy learning about that you are a three-part system of spirit, soul, and physical body, and they're all in captivity and bondage. And begin to let yourself believe there is hope and love for your spirit and your soul and your physical body. Take the steps, take my hand, and come on out of the cell. The door is opened. The chains are broken. The guards are asleep. Come on. We'll walk together. Come again, and we'll work through part two. I think the next video is What is Not Free? That involves a lot of areas of this three-part system. And we'll work our way through each one of the parts so you can understand what is blind, what is deaf and dumb, spiritually lame, why the spiritual mind is not in its right mind, why the soul is having mental health issues, and why the physical body is all out of balance. So come again setting the captives free, learning and growing. Each time it's a little one more step, a little bit more knowledge and truth as we walk together down a path, learning and growing all the time. Love, Pastor Deborah, please forgive me if I keep moving because the sun is setting, getting to be in the evening here and the light's coming so Please forgive me if I look weird. My hair is a mess today. The light is shining. Enjoy. I will see you on the next tab, the next tape. Come again. Hope to get this up tonight so you can begin setting the spiritual captives free. It's a wonderful experience, and you'll feel different, and people will notice. They'll say, you don't seem your, like your old self. What's happened? You're not like you normally are. And they might have troubles with that. I won't, and neither will agape love. Enjoy and love you always and forever. Pastor.